Record. Okay. I'm, I just hit record. I officially love you even more than I already did for doing that. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's totally fine. <laughs> Hello and welcome to In The Frame. I'm so sad. It's the final episode of this season. I've had an absolute ball recording all of these conversations with so many incredible people from the world of theatre. And a big thank you to you for tuning in each week and supporting and listening. It means the world. So, because it is the last episode, I knew we needed an extra special guest. And oh my goodness, we found the perfect person for that brief. So, today's episode is with the insanely talented Leia Salonga, who is an internationally recognised musical theatre star. After performing in various shows in Manila, at the age of 17, Leia left the Philippines and came to the West End to star as Kim in the original production of Miss Saigon. She originated the role in the West End and on Broadway, she won an Olivier and a Tony Awards for Best Actress in a Musical. And uh, we of course saw her back in 2014 in the West End for the musical's 25th anniversary celebrations at the Prince Edward Theatre. Leia also has an association with Disney and she's about to go off on UK tour doing her Dream Again tour and it's celebrating the 30th anniversary of her recording A Whole New World when she played Princess Jasmine in Disney's Aladdin in 1992. Uh, Leia's done so many shows all over the world and ticked off so many incredible roles, such as Eliza Doolittle in My Fed Lady, which she did in Manila. She was the witch in Into the Woods in Singapore. She played Rosabella in Cat in Manila. Uh, She was in Allegiance on Broadway. She did Fun Home in Manila. And I last saw her on stage in Once on This Island on Broadway at Circle in the Square, which was just absolutely divine. Most recently, she was Grace Farrell in Annie at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles and played Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd in Manila and Singapore. Like I said, Leia is about to return to the UK for her Dream Again UK tour featuring an incredible mix of material. She kicks off in Nesta on the 18th of June and is visiting Southampton, Cardiff, Birmingham, Manchester, Brighton, Canterbury and Glasgow, as well as coming to London to do the Royal Albert Hall on the 28th of June. I was so grateful that Leia made some time to have this conversation. There was so much to talk about, um, but she's just a dream and so easy to talk to. I loved every second. Here's the interview. Leia Salonga, you're in the fray. Hello, Andrew. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be talking to you. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Can um, can you paint the picture? Because people at home can't see you right now, but I can see a gorgeous kitchen behind you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I actually had this kitchen renovated some years ago. I can't remember how many years now. Um, but the cabinets used to be darker. Oh, right. Um, and so it kind of 
yeah, and but I think at the time that was the in thing. And then I came into the apartment and and I thought I, I, I need to brighten up this little corner of of my apartment and so called a contractor to not to take anything apart, but just to mm. you know, just to brighten up the cabinets and so mm. instead of this dark, deep brown now everything's white. So it's mm. Feels, it just feels very clean. Are you, it does. It feels clean. It feels it feels bright. It feels like a nice, yeah. kind of almost like creative space. Are you like big on the interior design? Is that a bit of a side hustle for you? No, no, not really. <laughs> I, it's no, absolutely not. I'm. I mean, yes, I am creative, but not with that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do like my space to feel light and bright mm. and. Mm. Um, I mean, there are pieces here that are dark, but they don't overpower the space. You know, mm-hmm. it's there. Everything is still, for the most part, everything is very light and reflects the light really well. And also, I was like, where for people, where in the world are you right now? I'm actually in New York City at the moment. So I'm not too far away. I'm just one ocean away. Do you know how much I miss New York? I'm so jealous. (laughs) When was the last time you were here? Last time I was there was March 2019. Oh, so three years ago. Okay. And I was supposed to be going April 2020, and then we all know what happened then. Yes, we all do. Let's not talk about that. (laughs) Um, So, what, leading on from that, what gear is your brain in? Because I know you had plans, everything got put on hold and postponed. Oh, God. But now you're back in that mode. So, like, what? What's life inside your mind looking like right now? Oh, it's much better. It's much better in there now <laughs> than it than it was for the two years of the pandemic. It was I was not in the best, you know, mental space at the time. And I, I don't think that a lot of people were either. You know, I hate all of those people that were able to get great bodies over the course of the pandemic oh, like i hate yeah. you because Despise. all i did was bake bread and eat bread and you know I, I ate my feelings for about two years um and i imagine a lot of people did the same thing um there's there's only so much netflix or hulu that one can handle until you finally say okay that's enough but that said squid game was everything um, <laughs> but were you, were you yes. ever singing at home? Were you ever singing? Were you, I did. You singing I actually in the shower, was singing. singing around the kitchen. Um, for whatever reason, I still had work coming in. Oh, um, good. For good. for which I I was really grateful. There was there were corporate gigs that would ask me to say do a live show for forty five minutes, um, but from my living room and broadcast. Um, thanks to you know high-speed wi-fi and um yeah but i wasn't singing in front of live audiences and i was refusing to do that until things were much safer um Mm -hmm. so i would do these things from my living room or i would do record and send you know so i was still singing pretty regularly or there would be a fundraiser and then i would record stuff Um, It would be a fundraiser maybe for the Actors Fund or for Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. And I think there were quite a few of those. I think I did, was it Broadway Backwards? I 
I can't remember. Yeah, but I, I did something where I think it was backwards. And I remember having to sing, you know, waving through a window as part of a trio with Deborah Cox and Stephanie Block. So as you do, as as we would. And <laughs> yeah, and and it was fun and it was creative. And when I finally saw it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is that is actually quite amazing. Um, and how creatively it happened. Yeah. And I got to sing for Stephen Sondheim's 90th birthday. And that's, that is a, and that's an unexpected career. highlight. <laughs> didn't, didn't expect that to happen. And it did. And it ended up being one of the coolest things that I've ever done. I want to talk, I want to, because you just, you just did Mrs. Lovett as well, right? We need to talk yes. about that. But first, we need, to, we need to make sure, we need to make sure that we get in your UK tour. You're coming yeah. over here. We have missed you. London's missed you. The Aww. UK's missed you. How are you feeling about coming back? I mean, this is old hat for you. You've played everywhere. <laughs> you know, everyone, you know, audiences love you all over, but I guess it's, it's, like extra emotional, extra special, right? Because these things have been missed out on these things. Yeah. So it must be so exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. And I mean, to get back on tour here in North America was something. And it, it, was, it was a very emotional experience for us. Um, for us that were doing the tour and for, I'm assuming, for the audiences as well that, you know, that, that came and my gosh, people came and I was just so happy. And it was just so wonderful that I could perform in front of, you know, actual warm blooded people again. And so I would imagine that the experience in the UK this time around will be similar. I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fantastic. My brother will be music directing for me. And it's, it's going to be fun. I don't think he's, no, he's never, he's never been to the UK as, you know, as a musician. The last time wow. he was there. Yeah. He said the last time that he was in the UK was to see me in Miss Saigon. No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was the last time he was there. It's nuts. Your big night. I mean, all the, but you're doing amazing venues, amazing cities, but you're doing the Royal Albert Hall. I know I, it's it's kind June. of blowing my mind, and yeah, I think when I I I just might burst into tears when I walk into that building again. I mean, mm. it's not going to be the first time to perform there, but it'll be the first time by myself with a wonderful band of musicians. Um, because the last time I was there was for the Les Miserables 10th anniversary. So I got to, I mean, I was nervous as all heck. Um, but at least I had, you know, a full lineup of this, this incredible cast. I mean, Colm Wilkinson, Philip Quast, Judy Kuhn, Ruthie Henshaw, Michael Ball. I got to die in Michael Ball's arms. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> you know, and, and it was just such a wonderful cast you know everybody in costume and getting up and singing this icon you know the songs from this iconic musical but this time going into that building it will be it'll be my concert it'll just be me and you know i'm i'm hoping for the best and yeah i'm very very excited 
So I need to make a minor confession and don't hate me. I, pr- okay. I have never seen one of your solo shows on stage. I've seen you on stage. Okay. I last saw you on stage at Once in this Island on Broadway. But okay. um, I haven't seen your solo shows live. But I'm one of those stagey people that's on YouTube and always on my suggested videos, it's your videos from your shows. <laughs> I've watched you signify gravity in every city in the world. Oh my God. <laughs> but you're, that is so nuts. from afar, I've been looking at your videos. You are out here doing big material, making big choices, doing big things. And I guess what's incredible about your career, again, I think I was going to talk about, is, you know, you are someone who I don't think has been pigeonholed. You've showed people you can do this, you can do that, you can do all these different things. So I can't imagine how you put your shows together and it seems like you get to do you know the fact that you're putting Defying Gravity you're not just doing stuff from shows you have been in you're choosing material that resonates with you and that you want to use to represent yourself or is, is that kind right. of the process of what of what you do when you're putting these shows together um I think at the end of the day it's let's just pick the best material that feels right regardless of the show regardless of the genre you know um and I don't do this stuff alone. I mean, I, I, we create a set list um, as a collaborative effort. So there's myself, there's my manager, Josh, there's Gerard, who's music directing, I guess, in, in the UK, and Larry Yerman, who is my musical director here in New York. So there's this constantly evolving Google Doc that we all have access to in case anyone has an idea or a suggestion for a song. And so stuff gets thrown in there. It's like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? What do you think of this song? And then there will be email threads from, I think from like last year or even the year before when we were cre- when we were supposed to go on tour in 2020. Um, and then things just kind of, evolve there will be a a really quick message from someone going how do you feel about this song and then if i feel good or if i feel like it's a great idea i answer immediately and say yes absolutely i want to do that one Mm. and yeah so i think it's just a matter of what feels right in the moment Mm -mm -mm. and you know we're not necessarily governed by um, you know, what, what do audiences expect? It's, we kind of don't think about it that way. It's what feels right for us to present? What feels right for me to sing? What's authentic? Yeah. Yeah. What actually feels right. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Steve Jobs approach. It's the people don't know what they want until you give it to them. And so it's kind of, I guess, the same way. It's this is what we will present. And, you know, we hope that you will enjoy it. And so far, the audiences here on this side of the pond have been really, you know, everything has been well received. Um, So I'm hoping for the same result over there. And this might be a a basic question, but is it exhausting to go out on stage and to do your solo show and to belt song after song versus, you know, what's more exhausting, doing one of your solo shows or doing Miss Saigon? Doing Miss Saigon. That, that I think is far more... Well, first of all, 
Um, let's let's remember that I was very very young when I first <laughs> did the show in the West End. Especially, I was only eighteen. Um, I mean, I eventually did the show in my mid twenties, and then later on in my late twenties, and it felt so much easier as an older adult wow. to 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 take on that show. Um, just because technique was more solid, you know, my instrument was physically better developed. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that score kind of, and the emotions of it all kind of requires a younger person. Um, but I mean, they casted older people to play younger in Les Mis. So I guess that, that, that works. But I think because of the emotion, the, 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 the great emotional co- commitment that one has to invest when doing a musical, like after a performance of Sweeney Todd, I just felt wiped, you know, by, by the time Sweeney throws Lovett into the oven. And, you know, I, I needed to like sit down and just take a breath and, yeah, I, f- I usually feel energized after a concert, but after an actual performance of a show, it's, 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 yeah, it really takes a lot out of me. That's interesting. So, I guess concert, yeah. it's like solid belting, 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 belting. Well, not but- really. I mean, how we construct the set list, it's that, you know, we, we do it we, with highs and lows, highs and, and lows. I mean, I conducted a masterclass some years ago. And there was this one singer who sang loud for the entire song and got cheers for it. I mean, it's a great stunt, but it's not interesting. So, you know, and and I said, that was powerful and, you know, but it's... and and I said, but it's all just one volume. It It's, you know, the ear at one point is going to get tired of this. So how we construct the set list, it's, you know, we have ebbs and flows. We have moments of quiet. Mm-hmm. Then we have moments of loud. Um, but it's not like, you know, alternating, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's like I need to give myself a break. I need to give myself room to breathe which also gives the audience an opportunity to breathe along mm-hmm. with me. Um, and sometimes you'll have big emotion, even though the volume of the song is not loud. Mm-hmm. And exactly. yeah, so we, we have to construct it so that it's physically achievable, you know, every time I have to do it. And mm-hmm. it has to be a program that I look forward to doing. So if it's just all one speed, it's, yeah, it's not interesting for me as the person that has to perform it. Mm. So yeah, we have to do it and we have to do levels. We have to ebb and flow. We have to give ourselves some breathing room, give ourselves room for laughter and for humor and storytelling um, and just, you know, and have fun. Mm, Exactly. That's interesting the comment you made about that masterclass. I often, I also find myself saying comments like, 
with new musical theatre, we see so much great stuff, but too often it's how high or what vocal gymnastics can I do? And yeah. I love people like Jason Robert Brown who will write a new school that has a modern take on a soprano voice. And just, I, I always, I'm always hungry to hear those kind of things as well as yeah. great belty I things, mean, right? The, I mean, last five years and, um, yeah, and he's he's one of those musical theater geniuses that creates it's it's creates just such wonderful stuff and even the way Sondheim would customize music depending on the skill level of an actor uh, because uh, uh. I think there will be there have been actors that have been cast who are not the greatest vocalists but end up you know the originators of some of the most iconic musical theater songs Mm-mm-mm. because of just how they you know how how they told the story how they acted it and how you know how much character work there was and it just it just made you know there are performances that are just so riveting to watch mm. so yeah so it's it's like it's great when even in a musical, there are moments of, you know, you give us time to breathe or after like, you know, even with Miss Saigon, there's a moment of somebody getting shot and then there's this big chorus and then it moves into if you want to die in bed, which is basically just the engineer. So mm. it's, it's, you know, and when it's all balls to the wall for, you know, it at some point it's just going to be, okay, I'm exhausted now. I, I need, I might need to get out of here. It's, Mm-mm-mm. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's so, yeah. You know what Amazing. I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know that. I mean, last question. I think we've got to go in a second. Can you tell me about, you have so much support from so many different people, you know, so many different pockets. I mean, so many people look up to you from the roles you've created, from where you're from, who you are. Right. And I love that in the work you do, you'll, go back to the Philippines and, you know, you'll do shows in Manila and you'll come to Broadway and you'll come and see us in London and different people know you for different things. Can you talk to me about, about carrying that, about kind of feeling that love and, you know, almost like honouring these different communities? I guess it's responsibility, but it's also an incredible thing that you do, I think. A lot of people see you as a real big role model. Um, there is a great deal of responsibility with that, with being a role model. And it's it isn't just... It isn't so much about, you know, always putting your best foot forward in public. It is also what you do, you know, in a rehearsal room or how you speak with uh, another cast member um, or, you know, how you talk to musicians or how you deal with people that work in the th- in a concert venue that you're going to be visiting. Um it's it's just treating your workplace with respect. It is treating other people with respect, um, you know. And and it's it's not always about being the nicest person. It's but it's being fair and it's being kind. Um, and I'd like to think that people can smell when something is not quite right. So I mean. I appreciate, you know, the pockets of community um, that have, you know, have embraced me for the work that I've done. 
um, whether it's the Disney films or musical theater or my concert work or the stuff I do in Manila. Um, and somehow all of these things come together. And so I just, you know, I appreciate, especially now after having been so isolated from all of these different communities for the last couple of years, um, I've gained a greater appreciation for the support that the fans have given me because they came out in full force for the Dream Again tour here in North America. And it was something I did not expect. And so whenever I'd walk out and see the place full, it, it was just I'm like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And kind of unbelievable mm. especially given what we've all been through yeah, yeah yeah um and i think everybody was going through it as a global community and it's it's interesting how this experience actually bonds everybody to one another and we were all in isolation so it's mm. it's it's interesting to come back out into the world and be able to perform again in front of people um and yeah, so it's, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of a jumble of feelings that I've, I've not, I'm, you know, it's so there's a whole lot going in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure I'll be able to sort all of that out once the UK tour is over. Mm-hmm. It means a lot to a lot of people. I think ultimately it's an incredible thing. Listen, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Good luck with your tour in the UK. I hope the UK leg goes well. And we need you back in London for longer soon, please. (laughs) (laughs) That would be lovely. It truly would be. Thank you, Leia. Thanks, Andrew. You can see Leia back in the UK on her Dream Again tour from the 18th of June in Leicester going through to Glasgow on the 1st of July. And like I said at the start, she is playing the Royal Albert Hall on the 28th of June. Thank you so much to Leia for taking time out of her day to talk to me. I felt guilty after that introduction. I feel like there's just so many things she's done and so many roles and projects that she's worked on that it's impossible to do her justice. But also, nobody wants to listen to a five-hour introduction. Uh, Thank you for listening to this season of In The Frame. I've had a total blast. Don't worry, we will not be gone for long because I'm already about to start recording some new episodes so we'll be back soon Um, make sure you check out our other podcast the West End Frame Show for your weekly stagey catch up that's going all the way through to the end of July you can also stay up to date with all things West End Frame on Twitter Instagram and Facebook and I'll be back very soon with lots more incredible guests but until then thank you for listening